0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito
1: This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. Dave Walker, I am joined by my co-host, the Forever Madeline, Gina Kelly. Gina, how you doing?
2: David, I am just exhausted by uh. the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> 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 I, I mean, I am just exhausted by this team. How are you? <laughs> uh,
1: it's I'm good. And... We've only gotten through two of 17 games.
2: Oh, it's going to be a long season.
1: Like, oh, I'm so not. exhausted
2: that I would like to go to sleep and then wake up when this season is over. And then <laughs> I might be able to feel a little bit more rested.
1: <laughs> I literally saw people on uh, Twitter interacting with us saying the same thing. They would just prefer to go into a coma at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. <I'll- laughs> On that note, we are back for another rendition of the voicemails podcast, uh, or as I call it in our meeting invite, did I send to Gina, sad voicemails part de. <laughs> Um, Yes, we are going to listen to your thoughts, the listeners, the readers of the Falcoholic, um, about the Falcons' loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this past weekend, week two in Tampa Bay. Uh, a game, honestly, that felt like it was going to be closer than it ended up being. Um, I think the final score was 48-25, so
3: um,
1: mm-hmm. hey, more than six points this time. Uh, got a little, <laughs> little bit of a positive. Um, Alright, so we've got ten voicemails to get through. We're gonna play some of these, give our thoughts. Uh, Gina, you ready to do this?
2: I am as ready as I'm gonna be.
1: Um, this first one is a doozy. Hey, Arthur Smith sucks
0: ass. Tell him to take his bitch ass bet fed us. We don't want him. Go to UPS, go to
4: go to USPS, go somewhere else besides the Atlanta Falcons. Bye.
1: Nice. Um
3: oh,
2: oh my goodness. I mean, I guess to that I would say it has only been two games. And yeah, I agree. The team has not looked prepared especially in week one. And I think that there are definitely reasons to question Arthur Smith's readiness at this level, but you still got to give the guy a chance. I mean, (laughs) beyond two games and you really can't forget that the Bucs are probably the best team in the league, still. still I mean, yeah. they're the reigning Super Bowl champs. I would say that they and the Chiefs are like 1A. And, well, I mean, the Chiefs, who knows? They lost the Ravens this week. But, um. so, yeah, I mean, the Bucks may be the very best. And I think that you just have to have some patience, especially after we saw the team look a little competitive against the Buccaneers.
1: Yeah, and they, they did some better things. And the offensive line, I thought, played a little bit better against what was maybe – an even more fierce defensive line this time around. Um, Yeah. And I I said this in our chat, and I want to put it out there into the internet, but uh, I think you have to keep in the context, the Bucks not only had extra days of rest because their first game was on the Thursday, not only were they playing at home, but this is a team that returned every starter from last year and their coaching staff. So they have zero turnover. They didn't have anybody that had to learn anything new. And by contrast, the Falcons are in the exact opposite boat. Brand new coaching staff, uh, multiple new starters on the offensive line, in the defense. The defense was almost completely overhauled in the secondary, minus one player. And that's that's in the first few games of the season you would expect – a team like the Bucks that returns all of its starters that won the Super Bowl that has extra rest, it's playing at home. You would expect them to have a significant edge, and they did. Um, mm-hmm. But I, they I'm did. with you, and Gina. It,
2: Yeah, and at least the Falcons showed some fight. But you know, to the gentleman who left the message, I just want to say I love the energy, and yes. you know, <laughs> I, I don't like. I don't want to just dismiss your take out of hand. I I understand the frustration and. um Yeah, I mean, it's been a really disappointing first two weeks of the season.
1: Really disappointing. (laughs) (laughs) All right, second voicemail. Here we go. Every Sunday,
5: I wake up and I put on my stupid little jersey to watch this dumb little team. And when it's all said and done, I quietly put it back on the hanger and then shuffle around the house in my slippers until it's bedtime. The team looked good for a quarter, but I'm currently shuffling around the house in my slippers waiting for bedtime so like I can hate read article online about how bad we are tomorrow instead of doing something worthwhile with my life
2: <laughs> well that is the, that's the most relatable voicemail that i've ever heard <laughs>
1: <laughs> and i do want to say if you're going to hate read articles online go to thefalcoholic.com where we have daily <laughs> coverage of the atlanta falcons on the ESPN nation podcast network um gina your thoughts <laughs>
2: um like i said a couple of minutes ago it's just been a really disappointing start to the season um i i don't even know what to say beyond that like all of these negative reactions to this team are totally valid and totally justified based on what we've seen so far so yeah i'm sure that a lot of fans will relate to that whole scenario
1: yeah this this next one is gonna i think light up uh, Falcons fans, because there is a, I will say there is definitely a divide this year, maybe more pronounced than in the past with, uh, a group of Falcons fans who were ready to see the team draft Justin Fields yeah. versus those who are ready to see Matt Ryan finally have a successful team again. And this guy, well, I'll let you figure out what side of the fence he's on.
4: Honestly, like this is crazy. Like we should have drafted Justin Fields, and I don't care what you guys say because you guys are gonna say no. Justin Fields was not done anything behind this this O line or whatever. You're probably right, but the way this O line is blocking, no, no. I rather have Justin Fields than a 36 year old Matt Ryan at this point. Trade Matt Ryan, get him the fuck out of there because he deserves better. Honestly, he deserves fucking better. I mean, this bullshit every fucking year. I'm sorry. I know, we're not, I, know, I know we're not supposed to be cursing or anything, but the defense sucks. Offensive line sucks. We trade a Julio fucking Jones.
3: <laughs>
4: for what? For, for Kyle Pitts. Don't get me wrong. Kyle Pitts is going to be a great talent in the NFL, but what are we doing, bro? If we're going to rebuild, let's actually rebuild. Get rid of Matt Ryan's three year, $90 million contract. Trade it to Washington. You know, get some picks back. Jav Justin Fields hired a right coach. Why are we hiring Arthur Smith? Like, let's be honest here. He, the only reason why he was successful is because he had Derrick Henry. We don't have a Derrick Henry in that backfield. Says, no, we don't. We don't. We don't have no type of Derrick Henry in that backfield. Cordero Patterson did his thing, but he's not Derrick Henry. Let's be honest. You know what I'm saying? So, no, I don't want to hear any excuses on the next, next week's podcast about, oh, Matt Ryan isn't the problem. No, he isn't the problem. But he's not—he's not the solution anymore. He's not. So get rid of him. Give him, trade him to Washington. Trade him to a team that deserves a fucking quarterback. Because obviously this team doesn't should have dropped. We should have dropped Justin Fields and hired and hired the Kansas City offensive coordinator because that would have been perfect in this season We would have been able to keep Julio Jones and and had money to rebuild and build up the fucking defense and the offensive line. Come on, like what is this man? What is this? This is terrible. It's absolutely. I'm sick of it. Sick of it. This is worse than losing the Super Bowl. Like, come on. Oh, whoa. Come on.
2: I mean, honestly, I think that he just made some of the best points I've really heard put all together like that about this team. (laughs) Um, You know, and... No, I don't think, you know, it's it's worse than the Super Bowl, but I do think that it's more recent. And I and I also think that what Falcons fans are having a hard time with right now is so, you know, Dan Quinn came and they saw a pretty quick turnaround. I mean, they were not as good his first season, but in his second season, he was able to take them to a Super Bowl.
1: But they started 5-0 and, so, five and o in his first year. Yes, so.
2: they did. And then they hit that six game skid. Um, And then, you know, same thing with Mike Smith. I mean, they went to the playoffs in his first year and in his second year, they finally got back to back winning seasons for the first time since the team was founded in 1966. And so, you know, (laughs) I think that fans just we have had to sit through such terrible Falcons football for the past couple of years. And I think that we just were hoping like, We don't have to do that every Sunday anymore. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, here you go. Except now the team is actually worse. and I understand why fans are reacting so strongly. Um, I do just want to kind of touch on some of the things that he said about Matt Ryan and fields. And I want to emphasize that he said Matt Ryan is not the problem. We agree with him on that. But I thought that I'm, I'm curious to know what you think about his take on um, why it would be better to have you know if they would have gone ahead and drafted Fields, they could have potentially kept Julio. You know, a lot of things would have shaken out differently. I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on that.
1: You know, it, you and I talked before the draft. I I said then that I could understand any move, including drafting Justin Fields. Um, I would have mm-hmm. been, you know, we we were both, I think, in the same yeah. camp, which was we would have been we were uh, happy with drafting Justin Fields. So. I think some people have seen what I've said the heard what I've said and, and think I'm against Justin Fields. I'm not, I would have been ecstatic mm-hmm. with drafting him. Um, I, I guess my point now is like, we didn't. So we like, mm-hmm. it's time to move on. Um, yeah. This is, it's not going to help us at this point <laughs> to talk about what we should have done. Um, yeah. And I, I do appreciate what he was saying. You know, Matt Ryan is not the answer. I still mm-hmm. think Matt Ryan can be successful, but I, I think from the standpoint of, is he going to be able to lift up an offense with a terrible offensive line? No, that's no, not the kind of quarterback he is. And I think that is a very real reality uh, for this team is that they're only going to be as successful as the offensive line allows them to be. So I agree yeah. with all that, but I want to say one thing. He said, Arthur Smith had a Derrick Henry and, you know, that was why he was successful and then advocated for hiring Eric Bieniemy. I mean, mm-hmm. to, to flip the card on that, Eric Bieniemy had Patrick Mahomes. So, like, yeah, it, it helps to have one of the most physically talented, incredibly uh, gifted passers in the NFL uh, as offensive coordinator. So I, I, I think it goes back to I'm not ready to write off uh, Arthur Smith after two games. I think there's a lot to like about what he's trying to do. We're not there yet, but Gina, I'm curious what you think about that.
2: Um, well, actually, David, I've been real focused on another part of, of what that gentleman said. <laughs> <laughs> and so I like, that's what I was so excited waiting for you to be done so that I could share this. Um, so I, he said, you know, if you're going to rebuild, just if you're going to have to rebuild, just rebuild like Mm -hmm. don't say it's not a rebuild when it's got to be or you're not going to be competitive and so that was the thing that i wanted to ask you about just i mean i think that it's hard to look at the performance of this team and just like the lack of depth and not think that a rebuild might be necessary before this team can be competitive and you know maybe they Maybe they shake off these early, you know, rough performances and look better going forward. But they just look like they have a long way to go.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that is uh, certainly true. What's interesting is we've seen this a lot. We heard this a lot last week, too, on with the voicemails. It's I wish they wouldn't have made me believe that, um, you know, this was a, a retooling or that they yeah. could be competitive this year. Um, and I guess the first thing I'll say to that is there is no NFL team that is ever going to go into the season and essentially tell its fans, Hey guys, we're going to suck this year because (laughs) our roster sucks and we're not going to be competitive. Like no team is going to do that. Um, and you know, it it would be refreshingly honest if a team would do Mm -hmm. that, but I have never once seen that happen. Um, but no
2: because they still have to sell tickets
1: right yeah they you know who to wants to to the go see
2: a team that is gonna be tanking
1: right hey guys we're tanking come and watch uh, you know seven or eight games at mercedes-benz <laughs> uh, for 250 bucks a pop yeah that's that's really gonna sell it um, yeah. now the, the other thing is I think when you talk about the rebuild um, there are different ways to do it and I think there's been an assumption that the Falcons, in order to rebuild they have to immediately draft a quarterback and my mindset is actually a little bit different because we've seen we've seen examples in the NFL when you draft a quarterback and don't surround him with talent Sam yeah. Darnold is a great example I mean he 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 burned out in two years with the Jets mm-hmm. David Carr is an older example with Houston ages ago um, mm-hmm. but then look at an example where you bring a young quarterback in where you've got an established offensive line. You've got a really good running back. You've got receiving weapons and he can come in. And that was Matt Ryan in 2008. And he won rookie of the year in large part because they had a lot of pieces waiting for him. So for me, I do think the Falcons do have to start thinking about the rebuild, but I would rather that they start building up the young pieces on in an offensive line getting an elite weapon like a Kyle Pitts who in two or three years, Kyle Pitts will be 22, 23 years old and he'll be hitting his stride in the NFL. And all of a sudden you bring in a rookie quarterback who's going to inherit that kind of weapon. And I think that is a great way to rebuild where if you draft a guy now, you have him running for his life every Sunday. I don't think that's a great way to rebuild. That's my two cents. It's not that I'm against the rebuild. I think we have to talk about how we rebuild a roster like this.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that we did see a little bit of this when the Falcons did draft Matt Ryan. They surrounded him with enough talent early in his career that he was able to really establish himself as one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. So I think that that's a very good point.
1: Yeah. So still a lot of football left to be played Uh, (laughs) um, and still several voicemails for us to get through, Gina. So let's let's go to the next one from uh, Joe in San Antonio.
6: Hey, this is Joe in San Antonio. I don't feel terrible about the game. I think the score is not a good representation of how the game went. Um, I will say, things got really out of hand once Tampa Bay realized that Mayfield and (laughs) Hennessy started attacking those guys, and it was game over. I really hope they do something with their – $3.50 they have to fix that situation because (laughs) we're going to get Ryan killed. Probably going to destroy the team's season and I know we're already pretty low as fans but I don't know if we can actually get any lower. Love
3: you
1: guys.
6: For the great work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's always a new low. I think we've determined that as Falcons fans.
2: Yes, Uh, we have. Um, Oh my goodness. So, Yeah, that's actually a a really interesting, that is an interesting voicemail.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I want to ask you this, Gina, on that point, Mm -hmm. um, Jalen Mayfield, rookie, uh, Matt Hennessy, second year, but you know, you you could sort of write off 2020 with COVID and no training camp and the rookies uh, training camp in the preseason. So he's a functional rookie as a starter. Um, Mm -hmm. And those are the two guys he pointed out. Do you feel like the Falcons should try to stay patient and let these guys keep getting those reps and, and hopefully they get better? Or do you think they have to pull the plug soon?
2: Yeah, I actually have a lot of thoughts about this. Um, and the answer is probably not the same for each guy. Uh, Matt Hennessy, I think, has a much high – I think that he has a high ceiling, a, a higher ceiling than the way that he's playing. Center is probably the – I mean, aside from – you know maybe left tackle or actually probably right tackle because that's the side that defensive coordinators scheme against um center has got to be the hardest position mm-hmm. to adapt to as a rookie it's just a completely different um speed of competition you've got to be responsible for you know coordinating everybody's movements and on top of that they have a lot of an experience along this line and not a lot of experience together and so their chemistry is Not where it's going to need to be for this unit to be as successful as it can be. Jalen Mayfield, I think, just was not ready to start. And I hope that being forced into a starting position hasn't, you know, messed him up uh, going forward. You know, it's it's really hard to come out here and play like this and be the guy standing over Matt Ryan face down on the ground, you know, because you (laughs) allowed yet another... sack and um you know that's that's not easy that's not an easy thing for a young player to overcome I also think that you know Mayfield is is because he is not ready if you had I think that I said this last week because this is something that I say all the time but if you had an experienced center and they're like Alex Mack I don't think that Mayfield's performance would be as bad because you would have somebody in the middle who's used to compensating okay, for the people on either side of him, and especially somebody like Alex Mack, who who did that, who's been doing that for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's really kind of second nature to him by now to, to know where he to instinctively know where he has to help out uh, with the guards. And so I don't think that, you know, I don't think Hennessy is capable of giving the guards that kind of support um, in real time. And so I think that that's a factor, too. So From that perspective, I think that, you know, giving them time to actually, and I remember when the Falcons kept saying this a few years ago, so I'm sure some listeners are going to cringe, but give them time to actually gel (laughs) 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 and then, uh, you know, see what happens. I think that it's very possible that some changes are going to need to be made. But um, for right now, I think these are the guys that you have. Give them a chance to try to develop that chemistry and that timing and, you know, improve because Lord knows that it is going to be a very long season if they do not improve.
1: <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it, it will definitely be. Um, I think you're exactly right, and I even said in in the preseason that one of the reasons I felt like they wanted Josh Andrews to start was they did not want to start two young guys in the middle of the offensive line. Um, and Gina was pretty exact reason you laid out. they, yeah. they that uh, having some experience in the middle is so critical. So I think a lot of what we're seeing now is like you said, it's, we don't have a center that has that instinct yet that takes years to develop. And I, I still think Hennessy could turn into a really good center. It's just, this is like what it's going to take is getting for him to get his lumps um, to learn, to you know see the, the film, see what he did wrong, adjust to it. Um, but yeah, when you've got, Defenses running te stunts, you know, and all of a sudden, uh, as a left guard, you're coming up thinking you're taking on the defensive tackle, and all of a sudden he he pushes over and uh you're taking on the defensive end who's on your outside shoulder instead of your inside shoulder. I mean, like that, especially when you've got those two guys are trying to coordinate those blocking assignments in the middle, that's where you mm-hmm. get those free runners that makes it look so terrible. It's not that they're ne- even necessarily getting bullied. Um, it's, it's that they are getting tripped up by these stunts and that can get better over time. Uh, yeah. But like you said, I, I think with Hennessy uh, you have to stick with him for now uh, because I don't think drew Dahlman is going to be an improvement. He's a rookie uh, as well. And honestly with Mayfield, I, I think you're right. I think if, if, unless he shows dramatic improvement, um, if they get Josh Andrews back, I, I think you yeah. have to put him in there because he's he's played before, so he knows he's a little bit more experienced and he's played that position before.
2: Yes, and I think that that would make a big difference. But I think that if you swap in Dalman for Hennessy right now, it's actually going to be worse because at least yeah. Hennessy has a, has some experience with this starting unit. And mm-hmm. just even that little bit of understanding of how the guys around him play will give him an edge, I think, over Dalman.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, fifth voicemail before we head to the break, and this one uh, is—you can feel the pain of this young guy. Here we go.
6: This this loss makes me really like contemplate why I decided to become a Falcons fan. Like, I'm 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 a 19 year old in Maryland. I could have been a Washington fan. I could I could have Super Bowl. Now, right, I have a terrible (laughs) opponent. But like I could have, I could have a lot of things. I decided to follow the team because, of course, I did. I am just the like just no more bad choices for my life. But enough about me. This team is just sad. They're really, they're really, really sad. They can't, they 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 can't block. They can't play defense. There's like two. I swear, like two bright spots on the team. I really shouldn't say too. There's a few bright spots on the team. But other than that, it's just looking ghastly. The pass rush is awful. They can't get any kind of pressure. And when they did, it was because Dean Pease was calling really good, calling up really good plays, really good plays on defense. Unlike the first half, which was just a bunch of misassignments, mismanagement, and miscommunication. They just cannot run zone coverage good. There's like too many times, too many times, Tom Brady just has an easy throw down the team because because they keep miscommunicating on zone coverage. Like uh, we we allow so many twenty plus yard games because of the miscommunication on zone. This is something they've been doing since 2019, and the offensive line is just Jake Matthews and Chris Lindstrom trying their hardest to. To help Matt Ryan not die. I don't know when Arthur Smith will understand that this team is not Tennessee. We don't have Derrick Henry. We do not have their offensive line. So why do you keep trying to run the ball up the middle? I do not know. I don't know why you don't know how to use one of the best tight end prospects I've ever seen in my life, drafting him at four because you wanted to use him. So you draft him at four, you want to use him, and then you don't use him. You don't even know how to use uh the game was lost on the 31 when they ran the ball up the middle and it got blown up not even the punt because the punt was awful and the punter should be cut honestly you can't be an nfl punter and shank punts like that but i don't know thank you thank you thank you thank you for your time i appreciate it Uh, let's try to win next week at least
3: (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh,
2: man. man well uh thank you for calling And I hope that getting all of that off your chest helps a little bit, because he did sound really sad, DW. Um, And I understand because honestly, everything that he said is pretty much true. And it is, I I mean, disappointing is the word that I keep coming back to. Um, It's yeah, it is disappointing.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, I I think that, you know, he did touch on something that we haven't really gotten to yet today. And uh, well, it's, Two things: uh, the lack of pass rush because I feel like we were duped in the first preseason game with that, <laughs> and then uh, really underutilizing Kyle Pitts, uh, it, which is it's my opinion that he's being underutilized. But yeah, those I thought were two really good points. Like his point about yep. when they are able to get home, it's because he does some kind of you know creative stunt. But then what's happening the rest of the time, you know?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I will say for Dean Pease in the defense, one of the reasons I think the zone has looked and he's right. The, the zone defense has looked God awful at times. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons is uh, Dean Pease likes to show one coverage. And then uh, at the snap, guys have to get into a different coverage to try and they're trying mm-hmm. to confuse um, the receivers are trying to confuse the quarterback. Obviously, it's not going to work against Tom Brady. But when you've got a bunch of guys who are not experienced in this defensive scheme, that could be attributing to them not being in the places or they need to be because they're they're trying to execute a very complicated defense um, mm-hmm. in what peas likes to run. So. Uh yeah, you know, I, I can't argue with a lot of what he said. The pass rush, I will also say this. The, the first two opponents both had like really really good offensive lines. Um Yeah. The Eagles I think are underrated in that regard. Uh they lost Jason Peters, but they had uh a left tackle in the wings who's an absolute monster of a man who's playing really well. And the the Bucks have one of the best offensive lines in football. Um mm-hmm. so, you know, it's they they do a good job of stopping the pass rush for good teams. Not even to mention the Falcons, who obviously are lacking in that department.
2: <laughs> Very true. Um, and then, yeah, I guess that we haven't really talked about the punter either.
1: Oh yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, we've got a punter competition in Atlanta now. <laughs>
2: we do. the The heat is on. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, you can't shank punts in the NFL. Hundred percent agree with that. And
2: yes, one hundred percent.
1: So and you
2: know, also, I I would like to see more of Pitts. Um, and like yes. he said, you know, why'd you draft him fourth overall if you're not planning to use him? Like you must have wanted to use him. So why don't you? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that is a fair question.
1: It is, and uh, he did have seventy three yards on Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. I think. I think that will improve, uh, and I think against the Giants on Sunday, that could be a one of his first big games because of their their secondary. Um, we'll see that that's going to be a very interesting matchup to watch when we when we play the Giants on Sunday. Um, all right, but on that note, we've got five more voicemails to go. You guys have given us a ton to work with. They're a lot of fun as last time, but before we get to this next batch, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
2: Just go to cars.com. It's
1: magical. And we're back on the Falcoholic podcast. This is Dave Walker. I'm joined by Gina Kelly, and we're going through your voicemails in reaction to the Falcons loss in week two of the 2021 NFL season against division rival, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, We've gone through five of these and you know, it's about what I expected. Uh, Gin, you're going to love the last one. We're going to close out with a bang. Um, (laughs) just for oh, people I can't who can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Believe me. Um uh, For those who don't know, I, I preview these. So I know it's coming ahead of time that way. Like we're not getting like an infomercial in the, in the voicemail um, because that has happened before, but uh let's just jump into the next one. Let's see where this one goes. What's going on guys. It's the fat Falcon here. Hey, I see potential, man. And
0: I, that's something I couldn't say week one. We got to take the, the lemon with the lime sometimes, you know, um, <laughs> Let's talk about three phases, though. The punter. Come on, man. You got to give me something that put us behind, and I think that kind of hurt us when we got a little momentum. You know, that kind of gave it right back to him. So, um, kudos to Mayfield this week. You know, he didn't get totally embarrassed, but let's talk about Matt Hennessy. I mean, come on. I mean, he's out here blocking dead people. Uh, He's like the kid from Sixth (laughs) Sense. Who knew that he grew up to become Matt Hennessy? Oh my god! I, I got faith, though, man. You know, we got outmatched. We were outmatched, but we weren't outplayed. I don't feel like. I feel like, you know, we're playing probably one of the best teams ever could be. You know, from top to bottom, and we gave them, we gave them fits. And I mean, Matt had some fluke interceptions at the end, but I mean, I I, I was impressed, and I see the identity starting to, you know, peak his head. So let's just build off of that. And uh, like George Michael says, man, you got to have faith.
2: <laughs> okay, first of all, I want this guy to please call back every single week. I, I, think there that, you go. I, I think that I needed to hear that. You know, I mean, what he said is correct. I definitely did see signs of what this team could be. Like I keep saying, like, at least they had some fight in them. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed hearing from that gentleman. That was a... That was a nice uplifting message. We don't get a lot of those these days.
1: (laughs) I will. I do have to say Matt Hennessy is the kid from The Sixth Sense has gotten me. (laughs) That one has disrupted my week.
2: That was the most spectacular voicemail. I just absolutely loved it start to finish.
1: (laughs) Oh, Gina, we've talked about this before, and I just want to reiterate this. one of our friends on twitter betsy has said this before she she intimated it perfectly like falcons fans on twitter just have the best sense of humor and yes. yeah obviously in reaction to having to deal with this team but voicemails like that i think sort of back that up you know where we get mm-hmm. just absolute comedy brilliance <laughs> yeah falcons loss
2: Yeah, also, I might adopt the phrase you got sometimes you got to take the lemon with the lime. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty appropriate, I think, for a a lot of things in life.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Great voicemail. All right. I think this is our first international voicemail coming up next, uh, which is really cool. Uh, We have quite a few Falcons fans in the UK, but um also in in all of europe you know, like we've got a really big contingent of falcons fans in germany and uh this fellow is calling uh i believe from uh the norwegian area
5: hi this is magnus one of the half dozen or so european falcons fans that's a whole nother long story of unfortunate events which led to a 15 year old norwegian kid watching his favorite team blow a 28 to 3 lead at 6 a.m an hour before he had to go to school oh, <laughs> oh no. Now, it should be noted that before the year, I was not hopeful. The Falcons have instilled a great deal of pessimism in me over the years. And I have a sizable amount riding on the Falcons to win under seven and a half games. As such, I wasn't horrified by week one, as many of you were, and was preparing for the worst in week two. And yet, somehow, they've done it again. Miraculously, <laughs> they managed to give me a glimmer of hope to start the fourth quarter before pulling the rug out from under us once again. Oh. No how to manage it, but they've done it again. I feel that I should be happy that the defense for large portions of the game looked more functional than I was expecting up against the Buccaneers um well incredible offense and wide receiver core. I should be happy that the O line was not the unmitigated disaster of week one, that it still wasn't good and was largely responsible for two of the interceptions. And also that the offense and the big three of Pitts, Ryan and Ridley, showed signs of life that they didn't show in week one. And yet the complete meltdown culminating in Josh Rosen seeing minutes for the second week running has left me wallowing once again in anger at this godforsaken team. (laughs) Anyway, that's all I've got. Looking forward to seeing them lose in person for the first time when they come to London in three weeks. Thanks for being on this painful journey.
2: Well, first of all, I hope that this team looks better because uh, that gentleman deserves (laughs) to see a team that at at least looks worthy of being in the NFL, like not on the verge of being relegated to the
1: Big 12. (laughs) (laughs) Last week's perfect voicemail for those who didn't get the reference. Go back and listen to that podcast.
2: Yes. But I I want to, um, I want to hone in on something that he said, and it was, you know, they've done it again. They gave me the glimmer of hope. (laughs) And I think like, that is the thing that is the most crushing about being a Falcons fan is that we've had so many of those glimmers of hope. And we are like Charlie Brown, when Lucy has the football, like, you know, oh, look, we're scoring against the Bucks, like might be able to pull it off. Ooh, only a three point deficit. And then they just jerk the ball away and <laughs> it's all over. And you're like, I knew that this was going to happen. This is what always happens. And so why did I let myself get emotionally invested in this stupid football team again?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's so true. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I really feel for him. Um, but I will say, when they're in London, they're playing the Jets, and maybe that will give you guys a fun game to go to. Uh, so hopefully yes, the Falcons could play well against the Jets. Um, for all of our UK listeners, uh, all of the listeners in, in Europe, Germany, all over, um, for any of you that go to that game, I wish you nothing more than just a complete blowout where the Falcons make you so happy. You, you can celebrate in the pubs for hours instead of crawling home and, and covering yourself in the sheets and going to sleep. So. And if
2: I, if I might make a quick suggestion, I saw today that um, ATL Falcons UK, you can follow them on Twitter. They're actually going to be hosting a Falcons fan meetup um, yep. before that game. And so, Follow them on Twitter and you can get together with some other Falcons fans. And trust me, you might need the moral support.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And yeah, uh, there's actually several accounts at ATL Falcons UK. There's one for uh, Germany as well. Um, Bunch of great folks uh, that interact there and love uh, interacting with them on a daily basis on Twitter. Um, So yeah, definitely give them a follow. And if you're going to be in the UK, you're going to watch that game. Uh, I would highly recommend they're a good, good group of people. Uh, and I think you'll have a lot of fun. And uh, again, hopefully we'll be celebrating a Falcons win and not <laughs> the mess that we went through this weekend. Yes. All right. Next voicemail. Hi, this is Jim and Hushton. No
3: puppy on my lap this week. <laughs> Just strongly encouraged by the team. In spite of the final score, we actually have a good third quarter quarter when was the last time that's ever happened <laughs> <laughs>
2: fair <laughs> point jim
3: i swear hennessy was bobbing his head right before he snapped the ball for a set and it was just when they were jumping the count uh let me know if that's something you saw also uh was i watching volleyball at the end of the game it just the defenders were just spiking the ball up in the air, you know, running with it. I don't think you can do that in volleyball, but I got a little confused. <laughs> I was I was over it by then and making apple cobbler. <laughs> keep playing tough. Well,
2: I'm a big fan of Jim and Hushton. And so yes. I'm very glad that he called back in. And I hope that apple cobbler was delicious. You know, I've got to agree, I also was encouraged by Just the little bit of a spark that we saw. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that is very encouraging. As far as Hennessy bobbing his head, I did not see that. But to be fair, I was extremely mad online at the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did not see that. And I will say um, the, the better centers in the NFL will do that and get away with it. Uh, without getting called for a false start. I know for a fact that Alex Mack would do that. And he drove Mm -hmm. defensive linemen crazy uh, because those, those veteran centers, they know how to, you know, do the little head Bob enough to get those guys to jump. And, uh, maybe Hennessy did do it. I didn't see it, but it, if he did and he got away with it, that's that's a, probably a good sign, actually.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Most of the time, if a rookie tries to pull that stuff, they're getting called for a false start. So,
2: one hundred percent, yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, our next caller has some thoughts on the offensive line. Imagine that,
7: Gina, alcoholic that uh, Mark Zeno here wanted to give you some fodder for your podcast coming up this week. Look, uh, I have often been said that I am a Matt Ryan detractor and hater and critic, and there is some truth to that. But in reality, after weeks of watching football, it is clearly apparent to see that there is literally no way this offensive line can block for him long enough to do anything positive with the football on a routine basis. And because that is the case and because this offensive line won't get any better anytime soon, it magically just won't start playing better at least not for another three or four or five weeks until they can figure out something. I can't put any blame on that Ryan because he's literally has no other option other than to just fall on the ground on a ball and not get killed. Um, you could argue that he probably should take some more sacks instead of trying force balls here and there, but I don't think that helps you, you win ball games either from this standpoint. The rest of this, guys, is on Arthur Smith as a head coach. He needs to be able to change this offense. It's very tough to do because you don't change your offense midstream. But he needs to change this offense to where Matt Ryan is in the shotgun like 90% of the time. And you can't just put him under center when you're going to run the ball because you're going to become very predictable. Get out some Big 12 tape. Go look at Cliff Kingsbury's offense at Texas Tech. Figure out whatever it is. But he's got to find a way to keep Matt Ryan in the shotgun all the time. He literally cannot be under center anymore. The play will not work. It will not be successful. It is up to Arthur Smith to scheme this thing its way out to be somewhat successful. That's why you hired him. That's why you run him here as the offensive guy to be able to make adjustments like this that Dan Quinn and his offensive staff couldn't do. So the whole reason he is here is to be able to figure this out. I'm not saying it's going to translate into many more wins because I don't know if it will. But for crying out loud, you've got to be able to put some sort of consistent production on offense up better. That was the one strong suit of this team. And if Arthur Smith can't make those changes, if he can't re-scheme to get Matt Ryan some sort of time to be able to throw the ball, then shame on him. That may be early to sit there and put that on him, but really in reality, the only reason he is here is because of the offense he created in Tennessee. And for everybody who wanted to sit there and tell me about how Matt Ryan was better than Ryan Tannehill, look what get Ryan Tannehill. Well, guess what? He's got to do something for Matt Ryan. He's got to do something for this offense to be able to be consistent and get Matt Ryan time to throw the football. It's 100% on him from here on out. Enjoy the show, guys. Thanks. All
1: right. Zeno. Well, uh, yeah, Zeno.
2: In. Yeah, thanks for calling in. Um, and I have to say, if, if any of you follow both me and Zeno on Twitter, you know that we disagree on a lot of things. <laughs> but I have to say, I really – I mean, I don't – generally disagree with him about what he's saying here something has to be done I think that his projection on how long it would take for this offensive line to show sufficient improvement is spot on I think that you know the minimum is probably four five weeks um Mm -hmm. and so I just, and and, I mean, it is Arthur Smith's job to put his players in the position to succeed and this offensive line, the way it is currently structured and the way that it's currently performing cannot keep him upright long enough to make enough meaningful plays to win. So I, I, I don't disagree with any of that.
1: Yeah, he makes a really good point um and to be fair you know that is we we were all hoping hey we finally got the offensive minded head coach this is the guy that's going to help turn the corner make this a top offense again and obviously after two games we're so far away from being able to write that off but he is absolutely right that he, you know Arthur Smith has to make some adjustments it's clear that he's got some personnel issues and look that's not his fault and that it's not Terry Fontenot's fault either Um, They, as we've talked about numerous times, they inherited a terrible cap situation and they're still in a terrible cap situation. Um, They're not able to go out and sign a a great veteran to plug in at left guard. So they're going to have to make do with what they've got. But uh, at the same time, uh, as Zeno said, you you have to uh, you have to come up with ways to work around that. If you're an offensive, quote unquote, genius, you need to figure out ways to buy Matt Ryan time, uh, put him in shotgun uh use more play action, whatever that is. And that is up for Arthur Smith to figure out. So uh,
2: and like Rex, Zeno said, you have to balance that with also not becoming predictable. Predictable because right. we've we've already seen what happens with a predictable offense. And I would like to not see it anymore. Thank you so much.
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we uh we put up with two additional years of dirt cutter and I feel like <laughs> we've paid our penance. Uh, as Falcons fans, um, we're done with predictable. But uh, Zeno, I think, was spot on, and I think we need to see more from Arthur Smith. I will say from week one, week two, they did improve, and they improved against what was arguably a, a better defense from top to bottom um, by scoring 25 points on the road. I I really want to see what they do against the Giants, which is the Giants don't have anywhere near the same pass rush of the first two teams they face. Uh, yeah, this is going to be, I think, a really good benchmark to get a feel for where Arthur Smith, this offense, the offensive line, the skill positions, Matt Ryan, how they are progressing, and hopefully we'll see a much better performance. But yeah, um, Zeno, I think was dead on on that one.
3: Yeah.
1: All right, last voicemail, um, Gina. We've got an alert to start this one off. Uh, what an appropriate way to finish off. Uh, vo- sad voicemails. pot de. Um, with this particular voicemail.
8: Matt Ryan had alert, Matt Ryan had alert, Matt Ryan had an alert. Okay. Last week, y'all all know, I called Matt Ryan trash. Of course I was upset. No, I don't think he's trash, but can be a whole lot better. Eight back downs, three picks, two to the house. No real help from O-line, no real adjustment and not to mention the Pittsburgh performance from special teams. Once again, what more can you ask from a defense? We all knew that was going to be bad. Did the defense have played any better? Absolutely. fucking <laughs> I had that possibly could have been house, could have been a pick six, and offense was thriving at that point. But still, they don't go for it on fourth and short, but do – what looked like a QB sneak on the next fourth and short, with an O-line that has no push, about five third and 30-1s that we failed to get. Like, why, Coach? Why? O-line did approve a little bit um, this week. They gave up one set, allowed Matt to build his stats, because I do believe he's a stat quarterback now who throws for yards, not touchdowns. But this game is on Matt Ryan. But he could have done a lot better. Coaching as well. they left plays out on the field. Offense is the strongest core of the team, supposedly. To me, for the second week, I think the best part of the team was the defense. And the poor part of the team was special teams. But if A.J. Terrell don't go down, we still in this ball game to the end.
3: Mm. I do
8: believe this team um, this week could have beat the Eagles last week. Not really a morale victory would have been if it ended 25-28. And we really may have set the blueprint on how to beat the champs. Hope we can keep improving, build on our positivities, and get our first dub against the Giants next week.
2: Okay, first of all, I love that dude. I I mean, (laughs) Matt Ryan hater alert just absolutely gets me every time. It's (laughs) hilarious. Um, But yeah, he made some really good points and I did want to uh, talk just briefly. He made a very good point about their decision to not go for it on fourth and like one, but then also quarterback sneak it on fourth and i think about two and there was no way that play wasn't getting blown up
3: oh yeah it
2: didn't make any sense and it like that was one of the times one of many times i was like stomping around my living room like throwing a tantrum about it because it was so <laughs> dumb <laughs> so i'm glad that he mentioned it so that i could get mad all over again <laughs>
1: <laughs> it- to be fair, that was hard to explain from Arthur Smith. And because I think the the one they punted on was fourth and one and or fourth and inches. I think it was actually four. Yeah, it was
2: it it was fourth and less than a yard. That was the one that he I mean, he was maybe three, four inches from yeah. a first down. It was so close. And the second one was fourth more and than two yard. Yeah,
1: it was yeah, fourth, fourth and, and two, two.
2: I'm pretty sure. Yeah.
1: So a QB sneak on fourth and two, which is An interesting decision with that offensive line. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. It was a bad decision is what that was. Um, Yeah, it was. And I I will say, I think sometimes, and we saw this even with Kyle Shanahan, um, let's not fool ourselves because he actually did it on the biggest stage. Um, Sometimes offensive minded coaches try to get too cute and they try to be too unpredictable and they try to do things that, hey, you'll never see this one coming like me <laughs> sneaking a quarterback on fourth and two or, yeah. hey, I'm not going to run the damn ball in the fourth quarter, um, that kind of thing. So I think it's fair when when an offensive coordinator, whether it's Kyle Shanahan, um, whether it's Arthur Smith, when they get a little bit too cute with the play calls, they deserve that criticism. Um, yes, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. Don't try to just play, you know, uh, 4-D chess with the defensive coordinator. Sometimes you just need to draw up a a good play and tell your guys to execute and put them in a, a position to succeed instead of trying to, oh, my God, here comes a QB sneak. They'll never see that coming. Um, they Guys, they saw it coming, and they crushed you, and it was embarrassing.
2: <laughs> they sure did. It was super embarrassing. I believe that that was actually when I tweeted falcon stop embarrassing me challenge <laughs> <laughs> so that was exactly my reaction to it and the other thing that um our friends mr matt ryan hater alert brought up um is that the game really might have gone differently if H. A. had stayed yes. healthy and yep. um you know i I thought that it was kind of funny. I saw in preseason some national outlet wrote an article about him as like potentially one of the, you know, bounce back players. And I was like, bounce back from what? Like right. a solid season? <laughs> I don't <get> it. And <laughs> yeah. so um, I don't think that Terrell gets, you know, a lot of attention nationally or anything like that, but he is. A very very solid player for the Falcons, and it did make a difference when he went down.
1: It did, and and he had two big pass breakups against the Bucks that I think both of them probably prevented touchdowns. And yes, uh, unfortunately, that second one did result in the concussion, and we hope he gets back this week. Um, yeah. but yeah, it, actually, a really really good point from him. Our top corner was not out there for the you know the tail end of the game, and that could have had an yeah. impact. Um, well, I, I didn't you know, think about
2: that. yeah, I, I really didn't either until you mentioned it, but he's right. You know, the, the offense was really clicking and um, the special teams performance, you know, the, the bad punting, it really did impact the momentum of the offense. Um, you know, that, that was problematic, but yeah, the timing when they lost um, AJ, that definitely, definitely had an impact on the outcome of the game.
1: Yeah. and. I know we we will say that an NFL team should be able to lose a starter and not suffer so dramatically, but this is a Falcons team that has little to no depth, and mm-hmm. we have to keep that in mind. And many people said before the season began, yeah, this team could be successful if they stay healthy. And yeah. I think that is a big caveat here. If they start losing starters, like if they lost Calvin Ridley, the downgrade at wide receiver is massive. It's massive. Yeah, it and is. That's where you lose an AJ Terrell and all of a sudden you've got TJ green out there at, at corner and, you know, no disrespect. I think I think he played well in the preseason, but he's not a, a top guy. He's not a guy that's going to fill in in a reasonable fashion for multiple snaps. Um, and that's what this Falcons roster is right now. If they suffer injuries, they're going to suffer in quality of play until they have the appropriate amount of time to rebuild this roster, to rebuild the depth. It's going to take several years for Fontenot to be able to retool, you know, from top to bottom and get the kind of depth in here that they want. Um, So uh, yeah, fantastic point. Uh, Even in the midst of the Matt Ryan hater alert that we were (laughs) blessed with um, legitimately love. Like when I got that, that was the last voicemail. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is apropos. We are finishing yes. <laughs> the podcast with this voicemail uh, <laughs>
2: yes <laughs> yeah the uh, the Matt Ryan hater alert alarm really does it really does make the whole experience.
1: <laughs> oh I love it and what's great though is like he he did the Matt Ryan hater but he's still like finished on the relatively positive note. So God bless him for that. Um,
2: absolutely absolutely and he said that you know he is a Matt Ryan hater and Matt Ryan could have played better but he was not a problem this yeah. time and so yeah yeah 100%. I agree with that
1: yeah I got a lot of respect for it um, and I have a lot of respect for all of these voicemails uh, mm-hmm. these are a ton of fun I hope those of you who have left voicemails enjoy uh, doing that enjoy hearing it uh, play back and for those of you uh, who have not participated yet in this, we will do one of these again in the future. Hopefully next Sunday, we'll have something to celebrate. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, we'll get a win against the New York Giants on the road. But uh, if you're asking me to make any predictions, I'm not gonna do that. Um, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but we are hoping to record happy voicemails.
1: <laughs> yes, <next week. laughs> 100%, because the negativity is is beginning to get to us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Gina, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you and what you have going on?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Gina Thomas. Um, mostly, tweeting pictures of my dogs and tweeting about how sad the Falcons make me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much it these days. I'm very busy at work, so just look for me on Twitter.
1: Uh, as for me, guys, you can follow me on the Twitters at FalcoholicDW. Uh, updates for this podcast at FalcoholicPod. And of course, our articles daily at Falcoholic.com. So for the forever Mad Online Gina Kelly, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.